On today's episode, we discuss what it means to be a minister. In our churches, we love to use big words. We obfuscate our pedagogy through superfluous grandiloquence, manifesting hubris instead of demureness. See what I mean? Inconceivable. While I might have a speech impediment, I certainly do not want to have a preach impediment. These get in the way of God's message reaching our hearts and minds. Let's dig through those big words and learn something incredible. Before we get started in today's topic, let me remind you to go and check out EdenHollow.com. This is the company I started to start publishing some Bible study guides and spiritual books, but we're starting to branch out into some fiction and even talking to some other authors. We'd love to have you check out what's going on at EdenHollow.com. Now let's jump into today's episode. As a Christian and preacher, I have been blessed over the years with wonderful relationships different men who have stepped in and influenced me and helped me to become more than I would be on my own, for sure, and they've challenged me in ways that I probably would not have developed had I not had these relationships. Sometimes that comes in the form of just uh, hanging out and having fun. Sometimes that comes in the form of deep Bible discussions, and other times it comes in the form of being rebuked. And when you got men like that in your life who can challenge you and rebuke you and help you become better than you are, you hold on to those relationships. Today, because it's my 50th episode and I wanted to do something a little bit different, I decided to talk to three of these men. I have with me today Terry Francis. He and I worked together for several years up in the Memphis area and have developed just a great friendship over the years because of it. And I have Keith Stonehart with me. We've worked camp together over the years and we have developed a relationship where we've made each other better people. Then there's Edwin Crozier, who, who is such a diligent Bible student, and I love sitting at his feet and hearing what he has to say about different topics. All three of these men have been on my podcast before, and I encourage you to go back and look for those episodes. But today, we've gathered together, and we're going to talk about being ministers. I'm probably going to do less editing on this particular podcast because I kind of want you to hear the, the banter and the relationships that we have shared through the years, and you'll hear that in some of the ways that we laugh and joke around, uh, but also in the way that we always come back to Scripture. I think you'll particularly enjoy this. So let's jump in. Thank you for joining us on Preach Impediment. We're going to talk about ministry today. And as a 50th episode extravaganza bonus fun time, I decided to interview three of my favorite people. So Terry Francis, Keith Stonehart, and Edwin Crozier. And we're going to talk about ministry. Terry, how would you define ministry? Oh, well, I, I guess I was expecting Edwin, the linguist, to start us off because he's Mr. <laughs> Greek and English and all that kind of stuff. Um, I just define it as service. I'll go ahead and throw this can of worms out there. I've always kind of tried not to call myself a minister simply because everybody's supposed to be one. And I think sometimes that causes maybe a different kind of approach to this because Ephesians 4 tells us that it's our job as preachers to, to equip people for the work of ministry. I mean, just in a generic sense, ministry is just service to other people. And I, I think that's something that 
all Christians have a responsibility to do, not just the guy that's, you know, been asked to work with that church. All right, Keith, how would you define ministry? Ministry was one of my favorite industrial metal bands of the 90s. Fantastic. There you go. <laughs> done. Uh, done. Uh, we're done. What more needs to be said? No, that's it. That's it. No, um, it's work. I, that's And it's, I don't look at it, you know, when we use words like work and labor and, and that usually, that usually has a negative connotation that goes with it. But I, I, I've always looked at it as something that you, that you, you do heartily, you know, and if, if it's something I like to do, I do heartily. And so it's work, but it's, it's a good work. Okay. Edwin, what's your definition? The basic definition is service. However, we do find in the New Testament that the word is used in a couple of different ways. For instance, in Acts chapter 6, we find it used in two ways all at once, uh, the verb and the noun, as it's talking about the deacons, or at least I think they're deacons. Some say they're just proto-deacons, however you want to view that, were going to minister tables. They were going to deacon tables, but that was going to allow the apostles to be able to deacon the word or minister the word. That's the, that's the word that's used there. In 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 11, Paul tells Timothy as he's as he's leaving him with, uh, I think, essentially trying to pass the baton to Timothy in this final letter, his swan song. And he says to him in 2 Timothy 4, 11, uh, 4 5, As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. So there's a service that evangelists do, a ministering that we do, and I think it has to do with serving the gospel or serving and ministering the word to others. So I find that's, it that's why Edwin went last, by the way, because oh, that's right. had he gone always, first, Keith and I would have been like, duh, I don't know what this thing now. I always save the best life. answer for last. So, uh, the, uh, so I, I find it interesting. Edwin uses both Acts 6 and 1 Timothy 4. And the reason for that is Acts chapter 6, you've got the description of the men who were chosen for that job of serving tables. But the very next chapter, what you have is one of those chosen men who's doing the job of an evangelist. Uh, Later on, when you have Philip come back into the story in chapter 8, he's doing the work of an evangelist. And later on, he's called Philip the evangelist. evangelist, And, And it's interesting to me that, you know, while we have this word serving, and uh, like you said, the verb and the noun form there in Acts 6, two of the men that were chosen, we see also serving as evangelists. And it seems as if ministry is more than just choosing a job description and doing only that, but it is doing the work that is needed, no matter what the work is, because we're serving the kingdom. We're serving a, a, a congregation. Yeah. So ding, that, ding, that, ding, ding, ding. Good job. Good, well, that it. brings me to an, an, a follow-up <laughs> question, which is, so what is the kind of work you have found yourself doing, either what is expected or unexpected uh, as, even though Terry hates the word, as a minister or as someone in the ministry? I don't, I don't hate the word. I just don't think it's the title for what we do. Let's be clear about that. I mean, I, I, I think... You're right. Whatever our ministry is, is where we find ourselves. And that's what we work. So for us, that includes giving attention to the reading of the word and the teaching of the word and the teaching of other people. Um, that also includes, like I mentioned earlier, Ephesians 4, part of our ministry is equipping the members to do their own ministry, essentially. And 
So to me, that's that seems to be a huge focus of church leadership there in Ephesians 4 is part of your work or ministry is helping other people fulfill their ministry. And I like the way you put that, Adam. It's doing what's in front of you. You know, my ministry may be a bunch of different things depending on where I'm at during the time of day and who I'm with that may facilitate it a bunch of different ways. Manipul- you know, it's just when you think about it, you can't put your finger on what it is exactly. But as an evangelist, my ministry is largely proclaiming the gospel and then equipping other people to fulfill their roles of ministry wherever they find themselves. In 1 Corinthians 12, 5, it says there are varieties of service or varieties of ministry, but the same Lord. And I think that's something to recognize, that uh, there there are different means of service. There are different means of ministry. Uh, I think some of them are going to be... I, I think Acts 6 demonstrates that, that two different kinds. The apostles were passing off to these seven men the ministry of tables, while they were reserving for themselves the ministry of the Word, which of course did not mean that these seven men chosen to minister the tables would never minister the Word, and it did not mean that the apostles would never serve widows. But it was an emphasis, what a focus was for them. I was going to use the same passage um, because that's one of the things. You know, I, I I entered this game a little late. You know, I've only actually been at full-time ministry now for, for 10 years. And, you know, everyone tells you going into it, hey, it's not what you think it is. You know, and, and, and of course, you, all, you know, I always responded with like, yeah, I know that. But they were really right. It really was not what I thought it was going to be. And there's so many different hats that I wear that I never thought I would have to wear or need to wear, uh, in this role. And so for me, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a mixed bag of, of different things. I mean, I've, I found myself being a counselor, uh, you know, not like a camp counselor, but like counseling, you know, married couples who are struggling counseling, you know, people who have, uh, experienced addiction in some way and, you know, and, 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 and different things like that, where, you know, I, I thought I was coming here just to preach and just to evangelize and, and study with people. And it and it's become a very, for me anyway, a very broad stroked term. You know, ministry is just a, I don't even know exactly what it means in regards to what I do, because there's, it's, it's a, it's a mixed bag of a lot of different things. Okay. And so, so I, like, I like the way Edwin put it, that it's a, it's a variety. Yeah. So it, it's interesting to me. I, I, I find... Uh, as I talk to older preachers and younger preachers or older evangelists and younger evangelists, that there is definitely a different approach to the expectation of the job. A lot of the older preachers that I know tend to really focus on meeting the need in front of them, as we talked about earlier. And a lot of the younger preachers that I know very much focus on the job description they were hired to do. And if it's something outside of that job description, that's not their work. Or oftentimes what gets said is, well, that's not my forte. And, and I, I've, I've found that to be, uh, I, don't, I don't want to be disparaging at all. I mean, obviously there are exceptions to those rules. There are plenty of, of older preachers who only do what they have to and younger preachers who are you know, enthusiastic to do anything. Uh, but there has to be this sense of this is more than a job. This is this is the serving of a kingdom. This is the serving of a God who expects the best out of us. Would you all agree with that? Absolutely. I have even said at times, I, I have 
had to define limits for myself. Uh, you know, right out the gate, I basically answered any call that came my way for help, whether I was qualified or not. And, and thankfully, that it never got me into any situations that I wasn't able to handle. But there came a time where I had to actually say, hey, listen, I'm not qualified to help you with this situation, but I can point you in the direction of someone who can and actually get some some someone who's actually qualified or educated in that way to, to help this person, you know, a lot of, you know, you know, mental health things. I I had a, I had a young lady come to me one time that was cutting herself, you know, and, and, uh, I'm not equipped for that. I mean, I, I can, I can be there, um, to listen and I can, and I can, I can give encouragement and we can go to the Psalms and Proverbs and, and look for wisdom and that sort of stuff. But at the end of the day, I'm not a therapist. You know, and so I, I had I, there definitely came some moments where I had to say that's not my forte. Uh, you know, usually I respond to that statement by like, "Hey, forte is a car." <laughs> but you know, I, whenever I actually had to, I've actually had to to say that in my own right and say, "Listen, I'm not qualified to help you in this way. Uh, we need to get someone else involved." Uh, and and that's always uncomfortable, you know. And it's it's humbling in a way because it does make you realize your limits. I also, let me say this, I think part of why the, a younger generation of preachers, at least in some cases, are reacting that way is because in some circumstances I know of personally, the church has probably too clearly defined roles. I don't want to totally defend them, but I do want to defend them a little bit. I mean, I know of stories where guys that were younger than us took the traditional approach of just doing what came in front of them and actually were reprimanded and told, that's not what we hired you to do. You were hired only to do this. And Adam, when you and I worked together, we enjoyed our time, but we didn't get the most out of our work, I think, partially. And and I was part of this planning that we probably overstructured that relationship to a degree and confined you to a specific role that as we moved through there, we didn't realize that that role was actually going to need to change. That that sometimes, sometimes our court... I don't want to get off on a tangent, but sometimes our corporate approach to the church puts guys in boxes and develops that mentality rather than years ago. I think part of the reason why guys a lot older than us just did whatever was in front of us is because they were supported to just do whatever happened. Now, I think there's probably a balance in between those two things, because I think one of the things that did happen a long time ago is that was the only guy ministering in a lot of cases. He Mm -hmm. was the only minister. And I think part of our job is to get everybody ministering in their way and their work. But at the same time, I do think part of the issue there is if we approach this corporately, then we're going to raise a generation of corporate preachers who won't go outside of their defined box. And largely because they've told, been told not to very clearly. Don't do that. That's not your job. Don't, don't take this sister to the doctor. Get somebody else to do that. You're... You, you have a defined role. That's not in your definition. It takes a little bit of balance and some wisdom that takes some time to develop and from experiences. You know, the, the old serenity prayer, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. So I think there's a great deal of wisdom here in Acts chapter 6. We see some division of labor. These seven men are, are, are set to minister the tables. So the apostles can minister the word. But as you pointed out earlier, Adam, in the very next chapter, Stephen is ministering the word. And later, Philip is ministering the word. 
So on the one hand, if the apostles had come in and started kind of taking over the administration of tables, they wouldn't have been doing their work at the same time. If an apostle if, if, if apostle is ministering the word to a widow and discovers she's in need of something else, and he's like, oh, hey, I'm just real sorry. That's for those seven men. I'm not going to do that right now. Uh, that, that would, of course, be folly. And so I think there is some, some balance here and some wisdom to recognize that, that, that there are some times when I need to say, well, that's not my job. The person whose job it is needs to do that. There are other times when I need to say, oh, the need is so great that whether it's my job or not, I'm going to do it. And so it may not be my job to tighten the bolts in the bottom of the ship, but if there's water coming through the leak, uh, water coming through where one of those bolts are, and I don't tighten it because that's not my job, that's going to be a problem. Yeah. 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 I think the problem is if you make your effort as the evangelist to only look at the bolts, like if that's your job is to sit there. And I think, I think the approach to the work I've tried to take is I, I got a job, but if I'm here and the baptistry's leaking, I'm not calling a deacon to come empty the baptistry. I go empty the baptistry. You, you, you handle what needs to be handled in the moment and at the time. And if there's times to defer that to somebody else, because here's the other side of that. If we take on everything, we are not equipping anybody to do ministry because we're not giving That's them right. any opportunity. So mm-hmm. part of that has to be saying, hey, the baptistry leaked. I turned it off and passed that off to that guy. Let him yeah. do, you know, that we have a deacon over that. Let him serve. That's his role. Don't, don't take that from him. So there is a balance, like Edwin says, to know when it's time to hand it off. But when the emergency arises, don't go, hey, I hate, hate that. We're just going to let the building flood because I got to study and pray. Right. I mean, I think we all see that. So at, at my congregation here in Lutz on Livingston Avenue, we, we actually, I think, do pretty well between our deacons and our evangelists. We have deacons who who keep up with our widows, who keep up with members who have needs. They will establish meals to be made for people. They will establish visitations when when visitation schedules when people need to be visited. Uh, they'll take care. They'll pick up people for rides. They'll go to the store and buy things for them. And so when somebody says, you know, somebody sends out an email that sister so-and-so is going to need such and such on Tuesday, I normally don't even respond to it. I just let it go. I know the deacons are going to take care of that. I don't have to worry about it. I got a call one day from one of our sisters uh, who needed something. She needed some medication. She needed it right away. And she called me. I was not about to say in that moment, you called the wrong person. (laughs) I, I got in the car. I went to the the pharmacy. I bought the stuff. I took it out to her. And it's, again, I think it takes some balance. It takes some wisdom. And I think we've really circled around that pretty well here talking about it. So one of the perspectives that I've appreciated over the years, and I've learned this primarily from my wife, is just because I'm a preacher does not mean I'm not a member. And I think sometimes that's what makes the difference. When I feel like I am a preacher and that places me above the members, so I don't have to be bothered with the things that the members are bothered with, or you know, I, I distance myself from the group because I'm a hired man. Uh, in quotes, you know that that idea of removing yourself from the responsibilities everybody has, I think, is dangerous. You know, ultimately, we're all part of the same family. We just have a particular role we're playing, just like everybody else does. We're all ministering, as Terry said. But it just looks different because different parts of the body have different functions. And right. But we're still one body. Being a minister is a big job for sure, is it not? 
It is so big, in fact, that there is going to be a follow-up episode where I'm going to share with you more of this conversation. Actually, there will be two. I want you to really get a sense of what it is ministers think about, what we pray about, what are the things that we love and the things that we get frustrated with. Because the work we do is work that needs to be done and done for the glory of God. And I hope, as you heard in this episode, that you realize you have a responsibility when it comes to ministering to God's people and ministering to the world. And you take that seriously. You let that be a part of your focus as one of God's children. If we can help you in some way, please reach out to us. Go to preachimpediments.com or edenhollow.com. You can reach me at adam at edenhollow.net. And I would love to be able to do some episodes that you're interested in. So if you want to reach out to me and share with me ideas of words you would love for us to discuss, please do so. Don't forget to tune back in tomorrow for the next part of the conversation that I have with Terry Keith and Edwin. Until next time.